UIONS is sponsored by Bet365 and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to UIONS, the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. I'm joined as always by The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. Rashane, we're recording this on Monday morning, uh, the day after watching West Ham trounce Wolverhampton Wanderers 4-0 in our first win of the season. I'm, I'm still buzzing. How do you feel? I'm buzzing as well. I saw your tweet after the game about we're going to win the Premier League and I started yeah. laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just reflecting on the match, it was a well-deserved win for West Ham. In my opinion, that was that was basically the Arsenal game, but the fact we converted our chances. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and crucially, we didn't uh, make just those couple of errors because, you know, Wolves are a threat. They had a pretty much full-strength team out. They are not a team that is easy to defend against. They're relentless. They're they're well-known for being physically very strong, powerful, fit. And, of course, they have extremely high-quality players in attacking positions. And we defended brilliantly. Against Arsenal, as we discussed last week, there were two moments where individual players switched off. Rice let Lacazette go for the first goal. And Yarmolenko, quite characteristically, he lost his man for the second goal and we failed to convert chances, as you say. Those things were eradicated last night. We converted every, pretty much everything and the, the defence didn't didn't make a, didn't put a foot wrong, did they? Not at all. And, and you know what? I need to eat humble pie right now, Sam. And I need to apologise to Barbrena and Masiwaku because on numerous podcasts they've been like, they're good, but they're not really like at a quiet level to play in the Premier League and well, they've certainly proved me wrong. Barbrena, he was, too, he, I wouldn't say superb, but he had a really good game. Very he good. He was really good. Very Masiwaku, good. Masiwaku, a menacing threat down the left flank. And as you mentioned, nullified Jimenez and nullified Traore. And it's another example of the system working well for West Ham on the offensive end and also on the defensive end. Cresswell and Masiwaku, and, and to an extent, four now, pretty much ganging up on Chiroi so that he couldn't get past and yeah a solid and the first clean sheet since New Year's Day we'd been effectively written off by every pundit I mean watching it on the box it was just I could see their point of view I, I wasn't angry but it was depressing the fact that Wolves are a, are a club that generally the, the pundit community get a little bit hot under the collar about they love them they love the manager they love the style of play they love the story they love the players of course, I can see that. You know, Wolves are an easy-to-like club. West Ham, the narrative goes, are in some sort of crisis, you know, but, but that doesn't take into account the fact that anyone who saw us against Arsenal could see that we were a decent team, plus our victories in the Cup have been encouraging too. But before the game, everyone, it was more or less people discussing by how many goals Wolves would win. 
right? And they had me convinced as well. And everyone on Twitter was talking about the threat of Traore and their new uh, uh, right back, is it? The one from Barcelona, right? And they go, oh, the, the pace down that wing is going to absolutely tear West Ham to pieces. I'm sitting there just nodding, thinking, yeah, they're right. This is going to be awful. I mean, I suppose, what are the reasons? The shape of the of the team is obviously great. But I look at that team and, and you can almost see the coaching that's there, which perhaps in the past you couldn't. Perhaps under previous managers, sometimes the players went out on the pitch and you just had to cross your fingers and hope they all had a good day. But the team seems so organised. There seems to be a system where every player knows exactly what to do when in, when in possession and out of possession. And also you look at individuals like Masuaku and you think, I think you said it last week, you know, it must be that the presence of Stuart Pearce there is having an influence on Masuaku and perhaps on Fredericks as well, who, who played pretty well before he had to go off. You know, because Masuaku... A lot of people on Twitter saying he, he was our best player last night, which is hard because there was a, many contenders for that. But he certainly looked our most classy in attack, didn't he? Most certainly. Masuaku, Boren, Antonio. Oh, my goodness, Antonio. I, I penny for the thoughts for Connor Cody this morning because he had a tough game against <laughs> Antonio. Did, yeah. That's for sure. And as you mentioned, I honestly feel like Stuart Pearce... Well, not Stuart Pearce. Uh, Moises' backroom staff in there, Alan Irvin, Paul Nevlin, Kevin Nolan, they're all having an impact. Right now, we're offering listeners the opportunity to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month, access all of Rashad's articles on West Ham and so much more. The offer's only running for a limited time, so go to theathletic.com slash West Ham pod to take advantage before it's too late. That's theathletic.com slash West Ham pod and pay just £1 a month. You actually were confident West Ham would win last week. I'm pretty sure you said like a 2-1 prediction. For, uh, I for say West lots Ham. of things, mate. I say <laughs> I say all sorts of things from one moment to the next. Um, I, I, you know, last, last season, I think I, t- I t- think I told you at the start of last season, I confidently predicted we were going to win the league. And yes, last night I predicted the same thing. But you know, just an hour previously, I'd been preparing my eight-year-old son for a heavy defeat. I tried to psychologically and emotionally <laughs> prepare the boy because he's he's such a West Ham obsessive. So this is this is a high chance we will be humiliated on television tonight you know so uh never hold me to anything i've said but yeah it sounds plausible sounds plausible that i would have predicted a win last <laughs> week obviously prior to every match i always like do a poll you know west ham fans what's your what's your prediction for this evening's game and nearly everyone said defeat <laughs> no one was confident yeah. that west ham were gonna yeah. win and as we spoke about great performance and you know what after during, after the first half right especially when four nuts missed that great chance i was thinking here we go again Play yeah. well, created lots of opportunities. Deja vu's going to happen again. Wolves are going to come in the second half, score a couple of goals, and then we're going to lose. And you know, thankfully, yeah. the players proved us wrong. I know. Uh, half time, I tweeted. I said, you know, we're, we're, we're going to throw this away second half. Because in the end, you know, you watch West Ham so much over the years. In the end, it's just your program to understand what the most likely outcome is. And, and if we're 1 0 up at half time, but have missed a number of very good chances then to me, it is odds on that we will throw it away in the second half. You know, that is just what we do. Something about those players looked calm and relaxed. Remind me, when I passed my driving test, right, in 1996, right? Back when you had Afro, right? When I had an Afro, yeah, uh, before I got it braided, right? But listen, it was. I'm going to tell you something now that I'm not proud of, but I'll be open with you and the listeners. Do you know how many times it took me to pass my driving test for Shane? 
Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, I'm going to say four. Four. I passed my fourth time. I'm glad that you can see that. You look at me and you think, now there's the sort of man who probably took four goes to pass his driving test. First three times, I just took them without really bothering to have many lessons. I just thought, well, that should be easy enough. How complicated can it be? And I kept paying for tests and, and not just failing them, but failing them spectacularly, like on every single thing you could fail on. And then eventually I thought, I better take it seriously. So I got a number of lessons from a decent teacher and I learned the highway. I did all the things I hadn't bothered to before. And I went in so well prepared. I've never been as well prepared for anything before or since in my life. And I went into this driving test and there was just no doubt from the moment I sat in the car. I I wasn't smug, but I couldn't see any other outcome yeah. than a pass, right? Because I knew how to do everything that was required of me. There was no doubt. This is how West Ham, when I was watching this game, I was like, thought, you know what these lads look like? They look like I did in 1996 <laughs> with my Afro passing my test fourth time. They know, they're so well prepared, they know everything that needs to happen, both in possession and out of possession, and they know that the win is not in doubt. And they did have that way about them. I'm so used to seeing West Ham yeah. win games only due to heroic sort of backs to the wall defending to hold on to lead. So if you look back, I was, I was actually saying last night, I thought in all my years of supporting my Sam, my whole life, I haven't seen many victories like the one last night because we, we might occasionally spank a team who are struggling and are below us in the table or from another division in the cup. And occasionally we beat, or not occasionally, at least once a season, we beat a bigger team, a team who are right at the top of the table and we nick a victory against them. You know, we might grab a goal and then defend for our lives for the rest of the game. That's quite common. Yeah. But taking on a team who are above us in the table, have had a good record against us for the last few years, have a really well rated and respected by, by everyone in the football community, who were at full strength to just beat them and beat them really well and put four goals by them, keep a clean sheet, and just look in control of the game all the way through. No desperate defending. I can't in my whole lifetime of West Ham think of many performances like that. It's just not how we do things, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and for it to be done in that context, you know, to be done in the context of us being, everyone saying, well, we're in crisis and all the rumours surrounding, you know, the club ownership, takeovers, the sale of Declan Rice, the sale of Dean Garner. You know, are we going to buy people? David Sullivan turning up on the radio, giving a car crash interview. <laughs> Typical West Ham chaos and drama, right? And in the middle of it, our first 11 go out and almost breeze through a game against one of the better teams yep. in, in the UK. It's amazing, isn't it? It really is, because when you, when you reflect on a month for September, it really has been turbulent for West Ham. In my uh, piece reflecting on that interview with Sullivan, I was like, listen, Amazon, they missed out on a great opportunity to film a yeah. behind the scenes of West Ham this season. They really have. But as you mentioned, credit to Moyes and his backroom staff for, you know, getting an important win against Wolves. And the thing about it, Sam, it could have been more than four goals. Yeah. It could have, it could have been six. I mean, I remember Ogbonna having a good chance. Suchek had a good chance in the first half of a header. Antonio had a few chances. And obviously, four nows, effort going over the bar. So that's what, three extra chances. So... So, yeah. yeah, all in all, impressive. And this is why I feel the system works well for West Ham going forward. The, the, the team had played well in the cup. You know, we'd, we'd just come off beating Hull 5-1 earlier in the week with a completely different eleven. 
I think Balbuena was the only one who, who yeah. survived, and and that was only because of the situation with Diop um, contracting COVID. And so, you know, we currently have two teams, two 11s, who are dishing out um, spankings to everyone they come up against, right? And suddenly you look at, the, you know, David Sullivan's position on transfers and he seems to be preparing everyone for the worst and, and no one coming in. And you sort of think, listen, of course I want us to sign players. What fan doesn't want their club to make signings? You can always strengthen and you have to in the Premier League when everyone else is doing the same. But you look at it and you think, this is a bloody decent squad. I mean, if we sign someone now, where, you know, basing it on the performances yesterday, you're struggling to see where there's an easy way into that first 11. Because, you know, Sebastian Haller is a great example. He's scored five goals this season so far. He's the top scorer, in fact. He only managed seven last season, Sam. Only scored seven goals. He's last seven season. last season, right? We're a month into this season uh, at most, no, less than a month, and he's already scored five, right? He, ca he can't get in the team. And what's more, I don't think he should for our next game against uh, our next Premier League game against Leicester. I think, despite the fact he scored five goals in three games, I don't think he should be involved in the game from the start against Leicester. That's how good our first 11 is. I saw a lot of people saying perhaps the one the one perhaps weak link in the team could be four nows. Mm. So you would like Port Antonio to the left flank and put Alea out front. But just watching the team yesterday, I feel like one of the biggest reasons why Alea hasn't started yet is obviously he's been great so far this season in terms of form, but he's like a pace because we yeah. look dangerous on the break. Yes. On the break, we look dangerous. I mean, Massa Wacky on, on the left flank, running up and down. Uh, yeah. Bowen, Antonio, oh my goodness. Fredericks. I mean, Fredericks. it's a shame. Fredericks has done his hamstring, which yeah. suggests... It'll probably be out for a while. Have you got any news on that? Well, we don't know how long it's gonna how long it's gonna be because uh, they haven't given us. Well, we know it's hamstring, right. but we don't know in terms of like length. It could be a month or a couple of weeks, and it's a shame because he started the season well. His final ball's been really good. Yeah. yeah, he's improved a lot. So hopefully, it's not too long. But as you mentioned, <laughs> they don't have to improve the team. That could be an area if he's out for a long time. That could be an area. Yeah, area I don't, yeah. The, the only sort of iffy performance last night, I would say, was probably Ben Johnson when he came on for Fredericks. I thought he he looked a bit nervy in possession, and that could be a bit of an issue if Fredericks is out for a while. The thing with Ben Johnson, like. Just from watching him over the past couple of months, he's, he's for some reason he always gets a bit nervous when he comes on, and yeah. then afterwards he calms down, he's fine. But it's during that time when he's nervous that hey, he could give the ball away and the other team yeah. could score. So that's something that you know Moyes will be thinking about in the coming days. Balbuena, as you touched upon, I mean, you know, people have been writing Balbuena off for a while, just assuming that he's finished at the club, especially when you're playing three at the back, and you know he would rather play Cresswell who's a fullback than Balbuena when everyone's fit, you sort of think, he just doesn't fancy him. I mean, I half thought that it, rather than play Balbuena, they might decide to play Rice at the back and bring someone else in midfield last night. So I was surprised he started, but what what a game. I mean, the thing is about the likes of him and Masuaku is consistency is the only thing. We've seen them both play at their best. They both played at their absolute best last night. And if they could repeat that week in, week out, then I'd be perfectly happy to stick with them and not buy any replacements. Both of them, particularly Masuaku, have 
huge errors in their locker. I mean, <laughs> Masuaku, he hasn't done it for a while, but he really can do spectacularly mad things in games, yeah. can't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, I'm laughing. Huge errors, not even little errors, huge errors. <laughs> oh, just like, he'll, he'll like catch the ball and stick it up his shirt or something. Yeah. And then when the ref blows a whistle, he'll look really upset and offended yeah. by it. You know, yeah. you just don't know what he's going to do. But, but, touch wood, last few games, he's uh, he, there's been no signs of that whatsoever. Yeah. So I don't know whether, you know, it's, it's the likes of Stuart Pearce and David yeah. Moyes and, and, and Kevin Nolan, they're, they're putting the willies up him and they're making sure that he doesn't <laughs> take any chances in mad yeah. areas of the pitch. Plus, him being further up the field helps because he's, he's less often in the box where he often gave away penalties with rash tackles. Yeah, and also he doesn't have to, like, always concentrate on his defensive responsibilities. That's another part of the system working well for Masuaku. And as you touched on, just consistency. That's the only thing they're missing right now. And as good as Rabbeinah played yesterday, I still think West Ham could do another set and a half. I still think we need to strengthen in that area. And you, you touched on it. The one area we don't really need to improve on is attacking as a field. There's so many competition for places, whether it's number 10 or on the wings. Yeah. But I feel like we could have, we could do with competition, in whether it's in the full-back area or in the centre-half area just to increase yeah. that level of competition in the team. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the styles you like, and everything at the price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. It's a completely different way to shop, and it's all about you. You'll pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic right now. That's stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic. I'm just going to read you on one of my WhatsApp West Ham groups. Um, that, uh, this is just because sometimes it's good to be devil's advocate. And it's good to sort of, you know, give different points of view on what's going on at the club. Everyone, of course, it's the talk of Twitter is, are we going to bring someone in? Who are we going to bring in? We really need to strengthen. Off the back of a couple of very big victories in one week and some great performances, one of my pals has written, um, I said, well, David Sullivan will probably use this performance as evidence that we don't really need to strengthen. And he's responded, we probably don't. I don't like the owners, but we'd be mad to spend a lot of money when there's likely to be no fans this season. We're not Chelsea. Our wage bill for players, even on the bench, like Wilshere, is bloody enormous. So they're not going anywhere, meaning the likes of Wilshere, Lanzini, etc. We've splashed out on expensive recruits who haven't done it. Keeping Rice and Diop, etc. is better than new signings, in my opinion. And I thought, well, well, actually what I wrote back was, you miserable voice of reason, boring <laughs> bastard, right? Because, because it's boring. Well, of course, everyone wants sign-ins, right? Yeah. Every, and whenever you make a sign-in, you always think this is going to be the sign-in that changes our club forever. I mean, I remember probably not long after passing my driving test in, in 1996, we signed Ily Dimitrescu from Spurs. I went straight to the old club shop, the one that used to be in a porter cabin. I bought a Dimitrescu shirt. In those days, I think you had to buy a pound a letter, and that's a long yeah, name. Yeah, a pound a letter. Oh, I forgot about that. I spent a bloody fortune on it because <laughs> I thought I'd seen him in the World Cup a couple of years before. I thought this lad's like bloody Maradona. This is this is this is West Ham are hitting the big time now. We're going to win the league. He got injured. I had that shirt, and it was about three months before he made his debut, and then he barely turned up. So you know, but signings are fun. However, going back to my mate's note. 
you know, maybe he's got a point. Maybe with not just the first team, but the entire squad all looking so good at the moment. And the fact that we did obviously invest quite a lot of money in Suchek and Bowen back in January. Maybe the club doesn't need as much investment as, as some of us think. I still disagree. Still, I still think we're, we're a bit light in defence. I mean, I'm touching wood right now to ignore it for it not happen. But if Masuaki were to suffer an injury, you're somewhat relying on Cresswell to put a rim back. And then who's going to take his role? So if you think about it like that, we're light in defence. If a Bonner or Diop would suffer an injury, he's going to replace them. In terms of, as I mentioned, in terms of attacking in the field, we have so many options. So many options. So I'm not concerned about West Ham offensively. Just defensively, I reckon we still could do a body or two. One other thing in praise of you and the writing that everyone can see, particularly the stuff recently you've been doing on the players to look out for coming through our academy, which is suddenly performing so well again. Now, you said uh, over a month ago now uh, that Harrison Ashby was one to look out for. I thought he looked brilliant playing uh, right wing back for the cup team last week uh, before he unfortunately seemed to break his finger and go off. But he looks like a really good player. So, you know, bravo on spotting that one, Rache. No, no worries at all. I'll, I'll, I won't forget it. it was a pre-season game against Leighton Orient. I was like, who? No, that was a match where the Trinus played, who turned out to be Osama Ashley. I mean, we were piecing him last week. I mean, I was thinking, who on earth is this right back? This right back, he's getting up and down the right flank, linking all his teammates. Hershey Ashby, I was like, yeah, he's one to watch. And obviously, ever since then, he's impressed me. Yeah, he's big as well. He's yeah. like a big unit. <laughs> yeah. He's only young, but he's like a giant. I mean, usually you're used to seeing sort of smaller players in those wing-back positions. But he looked big, strong. He was very fearless, um, decent on the ball. Uh, I think, you know, there are a few question marks, I hate to say it, but there are a few question marks about Ben Johnson at the moment in possession. I think West Ham have been passing the ball extremely well in these last few games quickly as well. We pass it so much qu uh, more, more quickly when Noble's not in the side. There's a lot of kind of very aggressive first-time forward balls being played. Um, but we got our players who are very sharp on the ball for that. And that, that, that's why I'm worried about Johnson. And, and maybe if Fredericks is out, we, we might see Ashby get another chance. Um, we haven't talked about David Sullivan's interview on TalkSport yet because uh, I think it happened just the day after last week's show. Well, 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 so well, before before, of, before yeah. we get into it, Sam, I just got asked, are, are you feeling depressed these past couple of days? How, 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 how are you feeling? You, you feeling all right? You're not feeling depressed? Not feeling... I've been feeling, I've been feeling content, right? You know, like where you're not, you're not buzzing, but neither are you sad. You're just sort of like, take it or leave it, mate. I'm pretty, I'm decent. Um, and then last night when we won, it really upped my mood. And this morning when I woke up, I literally just thought I had a great night's sleep when I woke up. I just, the first thing that comes into your head is, bloody hell, we won last night. And you just yeah. start smiling straight away, <laughs> whistling a happy song. <laughs> so yeah, I've been feeling good. What about you? Yeah, I've been feeling good as well. I left the ground thinking, you know what, like West Ham can build in this win. They can really build. And I felt the same way last week. I felt like it was a good performance, just... You know, a bit sloppy, you know, in the marking and whatnot. So, yeah, uh, bear in mind, a lot of people thought West Ham wouldn't get any points up until November. So, obviously, three people wrong again. I know, yeah. Uh, Leicester next. Uh, unfortunately, Le Leicester did look very good against Man City. They're a very good team, Leicester, aren't they? Um, but it'll be an exciting game. It'll be an exciting game because it, it'll suit West Ham. I, th I think we prefer to be counter-attacking. I think we struggle more against teams who want to defend against us. Leicester will be coming at us. They've got fantastic attacking players and we will sit 
and try to soak up and hit him on the counter, I think we could see a really exciting game against Leicester City. Really exciting. Just hope Jamie Vardy's out of form that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, so the Sullivan interview. Um, interesting that he decided to do it, given that he rarely can open his mouth without putting his foot in it, saying something that just makes a bad situation worse. Some people are not good at appeasing things or... You know, they're only capable of fanning the flames when they go and do any publicity. Here's someone who you would imagine should have advisors around him or should know from experience that when he when the, the fans are discontent at West Ham, you know, if he gives a long interview like that, it's likely that he's going to say things that are going to make it worse. That's what he did. But... You know, at the same time, talk sport, uh, Jim White, who is so not even confronting the, the basics. You've got West Ham's owner on and you know what the fans are saying. And you know that the big stories are things like, is the club going to get sold? What's the truth about this deal? Are you going to sell Declan Rice? You know, um, and the biggest question of all, do you make any money out of West Ham? Have you charged them interest on loans? Why do you charge them interest on loans when 95% of other owners don't do that? Um, what is the score? Confront these accusations that are coming from West Ham fans. Put them in front of him. Let him have his say back. In fact, I think it was just uh, read out your press release if you want, mate. <laughs> I would, it wouldn't be surprised me if there was like terms of condition prior to the interview. Like, yeah, you can do this, but you can't ask me this. You can't ask me that. Yep, of course, yeah. Like, yep. Of course. Uh, and I, you know, you... People always have to do that. I'm not saying I haven't done it. I've done lots of interviews over the years where people say, listen, this is a no-go area. And you make compromises and you make agreements. But if if they're literally putting off limits all of the major issues that any West Ham fan legitimately wants to hear about, there comes a point where you have to go, no, it's not worth us doing it because it would actually <laughs> reflect badly on us, yeah. you know? Or, or even, Sam, you, you still sort of have the devil in you and still, you still ask the questions. That happens from the time as chuck well. Chuck them in anyway. Yeah, Say you're chuck, not yeah. going to. And then chuck them in. Yeah, Come exactly. on. Have some balls. I mean, that's <laughs> what you do. We've all said, yeah, it's fine. I won't cover it. Especially when you're, if you're going out live, although I believe this was pre-recorded, but once he's in the room with you, chuck it in. Yeah. The worst you can do is walk out and then you've got an even better story. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tip there for any young aspiring journalist there. Always ask the question because the worst thing that can happen is they flip at you. And if they flip at you, well, then you've really got yeah. a good story, haven't you? Exactly. That's great advice from all you aspiring journalists from Sam <laughs> right Um And that's free. You can have that for free. I won't be charging anyone. It was annoying, wasn't it? It was annoying the way that, you know, and also it's the downbeat nature of it. I think part of me sympathised with him when he said, listen, the manager only wants players who can improve the first team. That costs a lot of money. If you wanted me to sign players just for the sake of signing players to supplement the squad, I could have done that, but that's not what the manager wants. It's a, it's very expensive. We're obviously skint given the current situation and we're not going to rush into buying just for the sake of it. But listen, this is a great squad and we really believe in the players we've got and we believe in David Moyes. And, you know, I would point people towards the performances at the end of last season to show that this is a team on the up and we don't want to disrupt it too much because we wow. think that there's a togetherness in it and, and things are going in the right direction. If he phrased it like that, right, with a positive spin, those are basically things that he was saying. He yeah. did make all of those points. But unfortunately, 
he said a number of things that, that sort of gave across the fact that he was negative, that he was moaning, that he was blaming other people for the issues and not himself. He was taking no responsibility. He could have just dressed the whole thing up uh, much more positively and said, look, this is a team. It's going to be a winning team. We've got a great manager. The players are great. Even the ones we signed in the past, they might not have played at their best yet, but they're going to get to their best. And I want everyone to get behind this team because we can do great things here, right? We, we're on the right track. Just say that, mate. Just say that. <laughs> Don't come on and be like a whinging adolescent. At one point, he was like, you saw what I blame fans. He was like, hey, we tried to get a high-profile manager. It didn't work. The fans wanted us to get a director of football. It didn't work. So you're thinking, what on earth are you doing? I know. Like, yeah, of course, he was blaming the fans. He was going, well, that's what they wanted us to do. So we did it, and it didn't work. So now we're doing the opposite. And by the way... Um, the they don't the managers don't like me choosing who to buy, yeah. uh, so I didn't do that with Pellegrini. Apart from two, who are the only two are still in the first team. It makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, you know, he's a very rich man. He lives in a palace. Wow. You know, owns a helicopter, several Rolls Royces, um, goes everywhere dressed in some sort of you know Soviet military uniform. In other words, he lives the life that all of us would aspire to, right? And yet, when you hear him speaking. He seems like a witless adolescent who's just whinging and misunderstands every situation that he's in. Uh, and you think, yeah, but he's the one who's made millions, mate. Mm. I mean, I'm sat yeah. here thinking, well, I'd love to be able to afford to buy West Ham, you know, but I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether I can afford to play the top version of the next FIFA, which comes out <laughs> in a couple of weeks, let alone a football club. So, you know, maybe I'm the thick one. I've no, like, uh, objection to, like, David Moyes saying, listen, I don't want to bring enough squad players. I want to bring in first-team players who will improve because mm. we could do an hour-long special on signings who have been so poor over the past 10 years, Sam. It's, yeah, it's been true, that bad. True. It's been that bad. And if you look at their track record in terms of the number of signings, in terms of strikers that's been brought in, even that's even worse. <laughs> that's even worse of a record. Yeah. So This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Moyes is definitely spot on to say, we're not going to bring in players who are not going to make no difference. We've had Carlos Sanchez, we've had the likes of Lucas Perez, obviously doing well now, but he wasn't great when he was at West Ham. We're yeah. bringing in players who are going to challenge for first-team plays and are going to prove us to compete higher at the table. And I have... No objection to that whatsoever. Harry's Sponsors You Irons, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. And they've now released their sharpest ever blades and added a new lubricating strip for an even closer, more comfortable shave. The best part? They haven't raised the prices, so replacement blades are still as little as £1.75 each. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. I use them, and I have done for quite a few years, long before they were sponsoring a podcast that I hosted. That's a true fact. I've got the documentation to prove it, and my skin is soft and nick-free. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com slash uirons right now. That's harrys.com slash the letter U, 
and then Irons, I-R-O-N-S. You know that. The best signing West Ham have ever made, in my point, from my point of view, was in, uh, I guess it was 2006, and it was when we signed Dean Ashton. And the reason it's the best signing we've ever made, well, yeah, we've made great signings over the years, of course, but the reason that was the most impressive is that we were a winning team. Right, Pardew was in charge, it got us promoted and we were doing much better than most people expected in our first season back in the Premier League. And we were scoring goals. We, I think we had Harewood and Zamora up front and Sheringham on the bench. And so the team looked very good as it was. And what Alan Pardew convinced the board, the then board, which I think was still Terry Brown in charge, to do was to go out and improve a winning team by spending proper money on a sought-after striker who'd already proved himself in in the Premier League with Norwich, and that is a West Ham. That is not a typical West Ham signing. You know, we 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 usually sign because we're in trouble. We haven't got a striker. We need to fill a gap. We've got a crisis. You know, and then we go out and and get someone on the cheap. So Decanio was a great signing, but we only managed to get Decanio because. We we just sold Hartson and Decanio was going cheap because he scandalised himself by pushing a referee over. You know that that sort of thing. This was just a straightforward. We've got a winning team, but let's go out and sign someone who's even better than the very good players we already have right now. And uh, and and that was and, and unfortunately Ashton eventually got injured after being brilliant for the first year or so. But I think that is why Moyes' point of view is correct here. Because it's like, we've got a great team. Let's not disrupt it. We've got depth in most positions. But if a player came up who we thought would, you know, at the moment, it's hard to see who you'd drop other than maybe you'd need strengthening at right back and centre back. But, you know, if we had the opportunity to sign a striker, even on loan, who we think would be better than Antonio or... Um, Haller, then you know, then you do it, but only if it's like you know they're going to come straight into the team and be much better than what we have already. Right now, everything is, everything is nice in terms of the system for West Ham. Everything is just spot on. We have all the ingredients to you know compete higher at the table, providing we get the right personnel in. I think you can, you can just you know compete higher at the table. It's it got got a youth a good youth system in place as well. So everything is pretty. No, much, it's good. It's good. Know? The manager, the manager and coaching team are good. Hopefully, we'll have David Moyes actually back in person in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I've got, I forgot to, I've got to mention oh, yeah. that Alan Owen said uh, David Moyes will be back on Thursday, so he should be oh, in charge. So we'll be in charge for the Leicester game. Yeah, yeah. He's feeling COVID free. Good. That's good <laughs> to know. Um, last couple of questions. First is, you know, obviously Haller. He, he played very well against Hull, got two. I thought that his goal his goal against um, against Wolves was fantastic header. I mean, one of those headers where it's like a really powerful header, but he doesn't jump. <laughs> you don't often see that. Yeah. It's like one of those toy footballers that you used to have where you kind of press their head and they bend forward, right? Um, it, it was like he stood back, he saw the cross coming over and he just took half a step back. And then sort of pivoted from the waist and headbutted <laughs> the ball into that. He generated this immense power with his header without actually moving most of his body. And then just walked off as he does, looking really pissed off and angry, which is his, <laughs> his weird goal celebration. Strange bloke. Uh, yeah. Good goal. But d- could he now expect to be picked against Leicester? Well, as you mentioned, you, you, you probably would have changed the team. You you'll start him against uh, Everton in the cup game on uh, on Wednesday, 
But you wouldn't really change the team in the league. You'll keep it the mm. way it is because the team has played well. The only person you perhaps could say could be dropped is four nows. But barring the opportunity he missed, he put in a good shift. I think clearly Moyes likes him because of his work rate. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because when we signed him, I thought he was being signed as our creative linchpin. I thought he was basically coming in as a replacement for Lanzini. And in fact, now what's keeping him in the team is not his ability on the ball, but the fact that he just runs a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he's you know he's like he's like Pina for who Moyes had for Everton. Just the fact he doesn't mm. score as much, score as many goals. That's who uh, four hours is for for Moyes in the system. But yeah, as you mentioned, if he could you know do a bit better on the offensive end, that would be great. But the goal West Ham scored the opener that was down to four hours. Is quick thinking to get the ball yeah. out to Bowen, so stuff like that is really yeah, good. Works that out was really good. That was really good. And and just lastly, um, Declan Rice, we should touch on that. Uh, we, we, you know, the, the rumour mill suggests that Rice, that Chelsea are finally going to make their bid this week. Uh, what, what are you feeling? What are you hearing? West Ham's stance is that Declan Rice still not for sale. But as we saw with the Diagana case, all, West, all Chelsea have to do is make a bid and then the situation could change. Well, that's all you have to do. Well, Chelsea, they haven't made any bids yet, but you sort of expect them to make a bid because they struggle so much defensively so far this season. Mm. And, and there's a, a lot's going to happen during the, during the next seven days, in my opinion. So, it remains well, to be seen. Um, if, all right, let me ask you just one last question. If they come to us, it appears that they will offer us some money plus the kind of the pick of their fringe players, right? Someone put a poll up yesterday and said, who would you choose? And I think they gave the choice of Rudiger, Giroud, Loftus-Cheek, Alonso. Um, I think that might have been it. Giorgino, maybe. Um, I think probably Loftus-Cheek was the most popular choice of all of those. Who would you say that we could take off Chelsea that would almost soften the blow of losing Rice? If it's the worst case scenario and he's going to have to leave, Rudiger, definitely Mm. Rudiger. I'm not sure about Loftus Cheek because we we have quite a few Loftus Cheeks in their team. We do, don't we? Yeah, so I'll probably say I'll probably say Rudiger and Alonso. Hudson Adoy is a player. I was gonna say him as well, you know. I was gonna say Hudson. Hudson Adoy to me, I think he's right footed, but he likes to play on the left. And yeah. he, you know, with the players they've signed, like uh, Werner and Havertz, and obviously Pulisic is is fantastic as well. And Mount, it's gonna be hard for Hudson Adoy to get into that team. And, you know, although we are well stopped in, in attacking positions, you know, if we look, if we want a player on the left, which is why we were looking at play, people like Birama, you know, you sort of think, oh, Hudson Adoy, even on loan for a season, if he, if he was a first team regular, I could see him becoming a, a very, very good player. Yeah, he could, like, provided he plays well, he could be a contention for the Euros for next yeah. summer. Yeah, yeah that good, absolutely. So. Yeah, that's I mean, a great shot. Yeah, hopefully. Well, yeah, maybe we could even go, irrespective of the Rice deal, I think that what West Ham's business will end up being is there's there's fringe players, a lot of fringe players for sale at, at Chelsea, at Tottenham, at Arsenal, um, and, and even at United. And I think that there will be movement in the last week or two of the of the transfer window where we go and get those kind of players on loan or option to buy sort of thing. It's gonna be, be it's gonna be a jam packed seven day summer. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be a jam packed. I, I remember January, Bowen was done. I think I'm pretty sure Bowen was the deadline day signing. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be jam packed. Honestly, it's gonna be busy. Well, it's exciting to see what happens. It's nice to be in a position where we feel that we've already got a good team, but that you know, the, so we're not desperate for improvements. But it'd be nice to see them. Keep an eye on the Athletic 
because um, the Athletic do breaking news now, don't they, on transfers yep. and, and so forth. So get all the latest there and uh, all the latest from Rashane as well. Uh, what you got in store for us this week? What can people read about? This week, going to write a piece on Alain for the game on against Everton and also going to write a piece on Alan Irvin and looking back on his coaching days at like Blackburn, Preston and so on and so forth. Nice. Okay. All right. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, ladies and gents, for listening. Uh, nice to have an upbeat show for once. Hopefully, there'll be another one next week. Uh, we'll be uh, bringing one out after the Leicester match. Hopefully, another three points. Uh, keep checking out Rashane's stuff on The Athletic. And um, that's about it for now. Thanks for listening. Come on, you irons. And remember, everyone, there's only one. Samasia Boo!